The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decision. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Stock Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Nigel Finch, and today on the program, I'm speaking with Lee Martin Seymour, who's CEO and co-founder of XREF, who trade under the ticker code XF1. Now, XREF is a high-growth scale-up in the HR tech space and provides reference checking, background and ID checks to uh, customers globally. Lee, welcome to the program. Hi, Nigel. Thanks for having me on again. To start off, can you give listeners a quick snapshot of the size and scale of XREF, say your headcount, number of customers, revenue, market cap, that sort of thing? Yeah, sure. We're um, currently uh, situated in Australia, New Zealand, North America and Europe. We've got about um, just over 60 people. Um, we are 10 years old in December mm-hmm. and we service about 1,000 clients across the globe in different languages um, and in that thousand uh, clients, we've got about nine and a half, ten thousand users. So, Lee, for those of you who don't know your company, can you briefly summarise your value proposition, your key technologies, and the markets that you operate in? Sure. Look, our key um, our key um, value to a client is uh, surrounds the reference space. Everybody knows what it is to be a referee or um, a candidate trying to get a role or um, a line manager trying to hire. Um, We reinvented the way that the world takes references, pre-employment references. We automate that. Uh, We combine it with um, some uh, additional checking and we make sure that when you hire a candidate, you know exactly who they are, where they've been and what they've done and you protect your your business from breaches in fraud, discrimination and um, breaches in privacy. Lee, I've been impressed to see some of the changes that you've made in the company that are really designed to streamline and build efficiencies. Now, these are really important focus areas in any scale-up business. Can you tell us briefly about how this posturing has really helped you and your team during COVID-19? Sure. Well, we we, we um, finished uh, the December quarter in nineteen um, at a, a quarterly um, costs of about five point two million. Um, so we entered the COVID, the early COVID space as a, a big fat caterpillar, and um, we've we've emerged, uh, you know, in uh, in Q one of this year as a beautiful butterfly, nice and lean. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, and it's, you know, in a strange way, it's been absolutely fantastic for our cost base, but there's two things at play here. One is that the world has woken up to the additional verification that you absolutely must do when you hire someone and that's playing into our hands. And then secondly, we started life as a, as a direct sales business with a sales army on the, on the ground, pounding the pavement, smashing the phone, selling um, what was um, what was you know grossly misunderstood, um, and now the world has woken up to automated referencing, so we can pivot into a fully digital go-to-market strategy, which then carries a lot of lean 
um, uh, 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 um, opportunities along with that. So, you know, no longer do we have to have big sales forces. Um, we've got key account management. We've got key business development. But most of our leads now come in through uh, marketing, digital marketing efforts. Yeah. Well, look, I want to talk to you about uh, some of the changes that we're seeing in the market. I also want to talk about your uh, financials, your results um, as well. But before I do that, I noticed that Australian ethical investments have increased their stake in your company, in XREV. And Australian ethical investments no doubt have a number of investment overlays that they use for screening. And no doubt many of those are focused around the provision of the ethical product or service. I also expect governance plays an important factor in their investment decision making. What is it do you think that a professional investor like Australian Ethical Investments sees in your business? Look, I think um, pre-COVID, people would ask us the question, um, are you business critical or are you a nice to have? Are you the bloatware that people like to use because it looks sexy and, and works well? But, you know, honestly, through COVID, it's been a real good um, test of our platform because of the way we've held up and the way that non-recruiting companies have returned back to us. So we can officially say that we are a business critical tool in, in, in the world of recruitment. And I think, you know, Australian Ethical has been with us for uh, a, a while now. Um, we, we have always had um, for the past sort of at least four years uh, uh, some kind of institutional investor within our um, shareholding. It, is really ni- it was really nice to have people like um, Oz Super, you know, the Herald Fund um, and, and, you know, and Fidelity and, and, and Instos like this. But, um, you know, I think it's a good message to the market when a company like Australian Ethical with, 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 with the, um, you know, with, with the people that they have in there and, and, and their sort of platform direction, um, I think it's really nice to be, um, you know, included in, in that fund. And, and, mm. and anybody that knows, you know, those guys over there knows the amount of diligence that they do before they invest. You know, obviously, we, we need to um, work hard at making sure that they're abreast of the, the story. And, and, you know, for any, you know, we're not, we're not a stock that's um, particularly interesting to the penny traders out there. But, um, you know, we are on a journey. Um, we have got a big future ahead of us. And so businesses and funds like Australian Ethical, um, that fits right into their pocket. Well, I want to pick up on something that you just said, and that is, you know, the COVID-19 has been a real leveller for the business to business services. And what you were saying is that, you know, um, that this has polarised the technology market for tech services into must have and nice to have. Mm. Um, How do you see your company's value proposition in this light? Well, during COVID, we split our client set into two halves, um, one being the essential uh, clients, um, so health, not-for-profit, government, education, and then the other half being non-essential. And we've independently tracked though the, the performance of those um, st- style of entities. And, um, you know, we saw the n- non-essential part of the market like travel, um, banking, hospitality, retail fall off of a cliff in March. And we've slowly seen it come back um, to post, uh, you know, record levels post-COVID. So we've got a, a really nice U-curve um, out of that sector. 
but but the the essential sector um, we've seen rock rocket all the way through, been very busy, and and in fact the the essential um, clients that we have, the essential service providers um, like health, have have helped the lack of non-essential revenue coming in um, and, and sort of evened out uh, the peaks and troughs of, of, of COVID. So, you know, I think where that puts us is is that puts us, um, you know, squarely focused on um, the essential sector. Uh, so we're doing an awful lot around aged care and health and education and, and, and globally as well, you know, our sales team, the new sales are focused on that. Yeah, I mean, that's a really interesting way of looking at the market. I mean, the the HR market is sometimes categorised into different phases, such as a phase where it's a candidate-led market versus an employer-led market. Mm. I know that you've been in this game for a long time and you've seen many markets cycles. So I really want to tap into your experience to understand the market cycle that we're in today. Sure. Perhaps the best place to start is to look at some history. So over the course of the past two decades, what have you learned about employer behaviour during difficult times or, you know, recessions and, um, you know, sure. difficult financial times? Yeah. Look, you know, I've been fortunate enough to work in recruitment through uh, the 2000 dot goners and the 2002 to 3 IT um, crash after Y2K and the 2008 GFC and now, you know, a global pandemic. So um, every time this happens, uh, people lose their jobs and some people survive the pandemic or the financial crisis and they work all the way through. Now, what we're doing at the moment is no different. We've lived this life before. We do, we're not doing anything different. We are all focused on the 600 million people that have lost their jobs through COVID. And yes, we have to look at the, how those people are going to return to work. But in fact, we're completely ignoring what is actually going to happen. And that is that everybody that is that has survived through COVID, they're in their businesses right now, but bet your bottom dollar, as this market returns, those people that have made it all the way through, they're going to be looking for a change um, because of the achievements that they've got through the COVID um, uh, uh, cycle. So we are going to have people in jobs at the moment looking to move, and we're going to have people that are out of jobs looking to move. So we are entering not a candidate-led market, not a client-led market, but a chaotic one of both of those things at play. But if you are a line manager in 2021 and you have somebody that has been employed all the way through um, uh, looking for a job and somebody that is still out of work looking for a job, you are, and I'm afraid to say it's just the way of the world, you are going to recruit the person that made it through COVID. And the thing is, is that we think this 600 um, strong um, um, uh, labor market is going to return back to work when in fact everybody that's made it through is going to look for a job and block those people so we are going to go into a very chaotic market and employers are going to have 10 people looking at them asking for a job their you know their priority is to work out who's who in the zoo you know and the only way that they can work out who the what the best talent is for their business is to make sure that they do their checks and balances and and that includes references id checking um so yeah we're just about to see one of the the most chaotic and and probably in in xref space one of the most um one of the biggest opportunities um in our 10-year history 
Mm. And so back to the employer behaviour, um, you know, there's an opportunity there, I guess, with 600 million people being unemployed at the moment. There's obviously an, an opportunity there for, you know, new employers to embrace um, your services and, 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 other, um, and other services to assist with recruitment. But what, what do you think is likely to happen to, you know, workforces kind of more generally? Do you think that employers are now looking for opportunities to downsize or do you, do you think that they're still focused on this right size concept? Yes, absolutely. Well, both. And, and we've seen companies like Bunnings and Crown um, who have been quite quiet over the COVID period all of a sudden ramp their hiring because they're replacing those people, those headcount that they've that that that, that, um, that they let go during the pandemic. Um, so we're seeing those companies come back on. Um, you know, Crown Casinos. Um, you, you, you know, it's it's quite it's quite funny that people should you know uh, uh, be betting in 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 this sector, but in this market, but they are, and and that's a very busy space. Um, but I think that uh, companies that have downsized their headcount, um, if they are thinking of, of right-sizing that and, and recruiting again, um, they are being very cautious because they're seeing it as an opportunity to, mm. to, to make the business look better. So as I said, you know, a fat caterpillar coming out as a beautiful butterfly, you know, what is the silver lining of COVID? The silver lining is businesses have been able to you know, as you say, right size. But I think the rehiring, they're going to take even more caution than they would have done um, mm. pre-COVID. Um, mm. But they are, go they are going to, uh, you know, uh, much like employers are going to take time um, to hire properly, candidates are going to be really picky on who they're going to, they're going to work for. Well, let me, let me ask you a question then on, oh. on, on candidates because some commentators are referring to a candidate migration to talk yeah. about the expected wave of workers that are looking to swap industries into industries that are, you know, recession-proof or more, more COVID-friendly or something. Sure. Are you starting to see evidence of this? And what's your yeah. view on the depth of the candidate migration market? Without a doubt. This isn't the first pandemic. We've had them before. We just didn't know about them. And this isn't the last. We're going to have more and we're going to know about them earlier and, and uh, have, to have, have um, uh, policies in place to deal with them. So candidates are thinking like this. You know, only recently did one of our staff enter a hospital and meet uh, a Qantas, ex-Qantas cabin crew that, be, that got a job um, as triage in the hospital. Now, Qantas did something quite nice there because as they were downsizing, um, they offered their staff out to health services. Um, however, this individual uh, said, you know, I'm doing exactly the, what I did on a plane. I'm pushing a trolley. I'm customer service. I'm making sure the wheels move and, and people are safe and protected and they do the right thing. Um, yeah, but I'm not 40,000 foot in the air. I'm on the ground. And I'm more pandemic proof than I was working for Qantas. So we're seeing candidates shift their skills into more pandemic proof companies. And that leaves the non-essential sector having to work really hard to attract, um, uh, secure and retain talent away from um, you know, these, these, these sectors that, um, that, that are more pandemic proof. And, you know, 
people are now hunting you know the nhs or the health service or you know border protection for jobs whereas before covid we we didn't really want to work for government we didn't want to work for health but now people are saying actually you know that's a far more um far more of an opportunity given what's gone on well there's another thing that's on people's minds what's what do you think will happen in australia when uh federal government employment subsidies fall away in april next year you know, I think there's a bit of false hope out there, you know, with JobSeeker and, and JobKeeper. Um, yes, we found, we. I think I think the XRF business used um, JobKeeper for exactly the right reasons. We retained some heads that we could have probably um, had to lose. We, we, it helped us get through, but we're very fortunate that we don't need it anymore and we can, we can break even on our own merit without that assistance. Yeah. Um, but there are businesses that are simply existing on that and without it, they're not going to survive. And there are individuals that are existing on JobSeeker that, that, that just can't get back into the workforce. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we may experience um, a, a bit of delayed pain um, from those, the, the end of those um, cycles. But, um, you know, it's to, just simply something that we've got to get through. I think we just needed some time to protect our communities from a virus and 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 work out how we're going to survive moving forward but the banks you know obviously need to help help a bit in that as well yeah well the employment sector is certainly in the you know pretty sort of turbulent sector exciting sector to be watching right now mm-hmm. what confidence do you have that employers will continue to use your service and and how do you remain competitive so we we all of us globally have all of a sudden figured out that somebody within 1.5 meters of us, uh, we need to know who they are, where they've been, what they've done and, and, and how, how healthy they are. And so there's now an acute awareness of this human being that's, that's in our lift shaft or joining our office. So, um, the, the that's echoed in the recruitment market. Um, and, uh, uh, and and really, um, in, in our, we've seen lead flow now uh, bigger than than ever because people are you know asking these questions. So you know, how do we compete at the moment? We're fully global. We're multi language. We're ISO twenty seven double oh one. We're GDPR. We have twenty four hour seven support. We are best of breed platform in what we do. We are as good in our service as we are in our platform. And, and that really does set us apart. And, and we've been doing it 10 years and we, we're not devs that have dreamt up a solution. We're, we're the industry that's built an, a, a product for the industry. However, mm-hmm. moving forward, you know, we are building product right now that is going to answer those big questions around, hang on, I let a thousand people go in COVID and I don't know who they are and how good they are and if they would ever return to us. We're answering some of the biggest questions now that our clients are putting to us and we're building product that early 2021 we're going to be um, bringing to the market because that's what we do really well. We listen to our clients, we see uh, the the pain point and what we want to do is provide further insight to clients, not just at pre-employment, but all the way through to from hire to retire. And and so at the moment, life at XREF is pretty good. We, you know, we, we're selling to new businesses. We've retained our client set. 
you know, we're, we're, we're nigh on break even and we're building product that's, again, going to change the way people recruit, just like we did 10 years ago when we built XREF. Lee, can you talk us through the results for the quarter ended September? You've got new clients, bigger revenues and about $7 million in the bank. Yeah, so um, during the quarter, we made sure that we protected, um, you know, the future of the business and we invited a bit of debt um, in the business. So we put $5 million in the bank um, just to make sure that if there was any second waves and, and, and things didn't work out well for Australia or overseas, we, we could survive those those kind of um, those kind of upsets um, we we were confident um, that we could invite a bit of debt to the door because we're so close to break even the serviceability of that debt is good and we ended up doing it at a premium to the market at 35 cents so um, it was a really good um, uh, well thought out well planned um, uh, strategy and um, and the quarter in terms of all of the key metrics for us uh, revenue sales, uh, cash collections, um, um, expenditure, we hit our straps on all of those. And, and I think that echoed in, you know, the interest of the market through the share price um, that people are starting to see that, you know, we, we, we're, we're a very mature business. We, we've done what we said we were going to do. Um, we, we, you know, in Q4, um, there, you know, there were companies in, in March saying that they were going to cut costs and, and really in Q4, you couldn't really tell if they'd done that or not. So it took until Q1 for shareholders to really see if that, um, you know, sort of cost structuring had worked. And so Q1 for us was a moment where we could really prove to the market that what we said in March and the actions that we were going to take um, were paying off. And, and, I, and I think... Um, you know, there's, a, there's been a really nice slow clap from the results of Q1. And I think we're excited about, um, you know, what, what what's playing out for us right now. So what does the burn rate look like at the moment? And is the priority profit or growth? Um, I, I would like to think that the priority is profitable growth. It's always a fine line. We could cut costs to the point where we don't grow and we could grow to the point where we, lose, where, where we have no cash left. So I think we've shown the market that we know what profitable growth looks like and we'll, growth, we'll grow as fast as, 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 as our current cash will allow um, and, and keep that cash in the bank. So, you know, um, I think that um, what's our cake and eat it? Can, can we come back to a 40% growth rate and break even and, and show a profit? I, I absolutely believe that wholeheartedly. And I think, um, you know, this financial year, you know, we'll tick those boxes um, because, you know, we've got a lot more we want to do at XREF. We, you know, we might be 10 years down the road, but we're still very much at the beginning. The beginning the beginning for us just keeps getting big, bigger. Well, thank you to my guest, Lee Martin-Seymour, CEO and co-founder of XREF, for joining us for this edition of Stock Doc. And you can stay in touch with us through our StockEd website. And if you haven't already done so, remember to subscribe to our twice-daily newsletter for ASX market coverage, company profiles, and industry insights.